As you remember, we're walking through a sermon series right now for a few weeks as we look at what witnessing looks like. And this morning, it's about a witness to the truth. There's a few things about truth that are kind of interesting. First off, it doesn't change, right? Truth is true. As uh, Michelle and I used to tell our high school kids, when we were leading a high school group, uh, the truth is true whether or not you believe it. Because truth isn't dependent upon belief. You can believe in a truth, but your belief about that truth doesn't make it true or not true. It's that truth that is solid. It's on its own. It's, well, true. As my kids in that group would try to wrestle with that, I'd wait until a fire truck drove by. And I'd say, what color is that truck? And they'd say, that truck's red. I'd say, no, it's blue. And they said, well, that's not true. It's red. I'm like, great, point made. See, the truck is red. There's no changing it unless you paint it. But other than that, if you perceive it and don't have color blindness, it's one color. It's just what it is. So what does this have to do with witnessing? I think a lot of times when we witness, when we go to talk about Jesus with other people, sometimes we get caught up in different conversations about whether or not Jesus existed. Okay, that's fine. It's a good conversation. But you don't even have to go to Scripture, and there's like five solid true things that the whole world of history accepts as true about Jesus, that there was a man named Jesus in the Palestine area that uh, lived in the first century, uh, that he did things that nobody else really did, that he was a religious teacher, that he uh, was crucified by Pontius Pilate, that he was buried in a tomb, and that there was mystery around his death. That's accepted throughout historical circles everywhere. And so, you know, that's a discussion that can be had, but it, I still don't think it gets to the heart of truth. And there's other things that we start to talk about, you know, whether or not Jesus is a liar, a lunatic, or a Lord. You've heard that phrase from time to time, you know, whether he was a liar about what he taught or whether he was a lunatic because he died for what he taught. If it wasn't true, that's pretty crazy. Or whether or not he was really Lord. Again, valid conversation to have, valid thing to talk about with folks that are questioning these things. But, but does it still get to the heart of truth? Does it still get to the heart of the truth that's needed to be talked about? See, because those things are good, but there's something that needs to be talked about after a different foundation has been talked about. See, and that's where Paul's getting to in Ephesians. So when we came into this sermon series and we started looking at uh, the topic of a witness to the truth, all of the familiar verses started to come to mind where Jesus calls himself the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, it is God's will that all would come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. This text in Ephesians didn't necessarily come to mind, but I'm so glad that it was set up for today. Because Paul talks about a truth about our God that we don't always think of. See, our experience in the world, our experience day to day, our experience as we lose loved ones, our experience in struggle and strife is that separation is something that leads to death. Now, it may be a physical death if there's a separation of water from your body. You don't drink enough water, 
you're dehydrated and things don't go well. You don't eat enough. If you're separated from food, it also doesn't go very well. Experience it in relationships where there's separations. And sometimes those relationships die too. And they hurt. Separation hurts. And it's more than that. It, it's that it does lead to that death. And see, that's one of the hard things to talk about with folks, though, because we talk about separation leading to death, and they say, yeah, but every day I'm alive. I get up, I get going, it's fine. When we talk about a separation from our God, at the end, that separation leads to death. That's what Paul's writing about. So those sins that separate us from God, that, that following the prince of the powers of the air, there's a bunch of words to say Satan, right? Following the lust, the desires, the, the things that pleasure ourselves, those things that we decide are more important than God, those things that we put in God's place, those things that we fear, love, and trust in besides God, when we start thinking of the first commandment, Right? You should fear, love, and trust God above all things when he says, you shall have no other gods before me. When we start putting things in his place, when we start looking to those things for our good, our benefit, and for everything else that leads to what we need in life that starts to separate us from the creator himself. So there's only two parts of this world. There's creator and there's creation, right? So when the weight of sin starts to separate us from the creator himself and we're solely looking in within the creation, it starts to not have enough water or food and at some point in time, it dies. And so when Paul writes and he says, you're dead in your sins and trespasses, it's not that we're sick in our sins and we need a little healing or we're misguided in our sins and we need a little redirection or that there's something that we can do to mostly be on the track and maybe get on a better track. No, we're dead in our sins and trespasses before God gathers us together to himself. See, because our God's a God of gathering. Our God is not a God of separation. Our God is not a God of putting people out into their own places and individualizing everybody. Our God is a God who gathers people unto himself, who goes out and seeks the ones that are lost. You heard it in the two uh, parables in the gospel section, right? Our God is a God who seeks the ones that are lost. Our God is a God who goes out to look for the lost coin. Our God is a God who goes out as a shepherd caring for the lost sheep, the ones that are effectively dead when they're separated long enough from their flock. He said, those are the ones that I want to gather back together. Those are the ones that I want to get together. Those are the ones that I want to bring life to. Those are the ones that I want to bring into a closer relationship, a closer family of where they're going to be taken care of and fed, and nurtured, and loved. And so he gathers his family together. Because again, he's not a God of separation. In that reading from Ephesians for Paul, there's a great two words there, because in the beginning, again, remember, he says, in your sins and trespasses, you are dead, and you need life. And the great two words in there are, but God. But God, 
in his rich graces and mercy, but God in his love for his creation, but God in all that he does to gain his creation back into himself, wrestles it back from death by his own doing to call you back into family. And then he doesn't just wait for you, he calls on you and he brings you in by his work. So that it's not something that we're wondering whether or not we've done enough to be in that family of God, but something that he has done in order to place you into the family of God. And that's where you all are. Don't ever let there be a doubt any single day whether or not you're in that family. When you're baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, when you feed upon this meal where Jesus promises to be present for the strengthening of your faith and for the building up of his church, you are in that family of God. As we get to the end of that Ephesians verse, you hear it more and more, right? It says, For by grace you have been saved. And this is not of your own doing, it's not of work, so no one can boast, but it's by God's work alone, by his rich grace, by his great mercy, by his great love. And we often stop there sometimes. But see, that's where we need to not stop. Because there are a lot that are still separated from God. For whatever reason, there's a lot that are separated from God by own choice. There's a lot that are separated from God by maybe never really truly hearing his word. But the truth of the matter is, God wants his whole creation back. And at one point in time, he worked on his own through his son to hang upon a cross so that things would be made right again between creation and God. And he took that all on his own shoulders to do that, to take your sins upon that cross, to carry your sins into that tomb and leave them there and then raise again to hand you over life. And then now in this time, in this time, he gets to work through you as his family to reach out to the rest of the people that have not heard. He gets to work through your voice and through your relationships and through your life to bring life to others, to speak of the truth of that life, to say, yes, I love you so much, even as you're separated from things I want you in. And that's exactly what God wants within his creation, is his people back. Because that's an eternal thing. It's very easy to look at our lives now and say, this is all that there is. God isn't needed. Because I can do just fine. And you're right. Day to day, when folks say that, they can do just fine. But in those moments where things get scary, when those moments when things get hard, in those moments where things are confusing or we have no answers to anything or there is just something going on to where we can't figure out anything on our own, we need something from outside of ourselves. Because we don't have all the answers. We don't have all of uh, the things that are needed. And it's from outside of ourselves that we're saved. And it's that salvation, that gathering, that work by God alone from outside of ourselves that pulls his church back into himself. 
And that's what you get to talk about in your relationships with folks. That's what you get to talk about, that truth, the truth that God is not an exclusive God, but an inclusive God that had his son die for everybody. Everybody, not a select few, not just some. But even as Paul wrote in Ephesians, and he said, as you once walked, as all humanity walked in their sins at one point in time, now in Christ, we're all gathered together. So it's by God's work that we're gathered together as his family. It's by his hand that we have been led unto himself. And it's by all that he has done that we have life and not death or separation. In Christ's name, amen. Would you please pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, on our own, on our own for long enough, uh, we die when we are separated from you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy to see what we need before we can ever even know or understand it and that you took a hand to save us from your wrath by laying that wrath upon your son so that we could have a relationship with you purely out of your love for us and for all of the people that you have brought into this world. And we pray, Father, that you would give us courage to speak about that truth, that you gather people together and that you gather them together in your name and that you call upon them by your spirit to work upon their hearts to receive your word. And we pray that all hearts would be softened to hear your word of truth, that you love your people. Be with us this day as we continue to praise your name and uh, prepare our hearts to receive your gifts in the bread and wine that you give where your son is present. And give us courage as we walk from this place to speak your word. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.